welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. And what better way to dive into this topic than to introduce you to my girlfriend, Chanel Bissette. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Colin. So the last time Chanel was on the show was episode 19, and we did an episode on a no-spend challenge that we were doing. Um, And so we just wanted to give you a quick update on that. Uh, And I think that might have been one of our earlier uh, just forays into talking about money together and and just kind of figuring this stuff out. So we really just want to focus this episode on exploring that further and looking at what you know, that looks like in terms of money and dating and how I know it can be a sticky topic for many people and how we can make that a little bit less sticky for you and in your own relationships. So how did how did we do with that? I think it was in February. Yeah, uh, we did our episode at the start of March when the month was over. And uh, I think you and I both had pretty great results. We were cooking at home more. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, listeners, we were starting to date then. We didn't really make that clear in the episode, but here we are now. Um, and so we were doing a lot of things together to save money. And I think that really set things off on the right foot for us. And uh, I know that I definitely saw some good results in my bank account from that from that experience. All right. So uh, so since then, I feel like the summer has had a lot of kind of last minute spending decisions that ended up adding to quite a bit, um, including a trip to New York that you and I both took out there. Um, you were so great going along with me on that. It was a last minute uh, tattoo appointment with my dream artist. And it wasn't um, as budgeted for as I would have preferred, um, but we sort of let the wind take us and went on an adventure. And I don't regret it, but at the same time, I am literally paying for it now. So that's something that's going to lead to a more frugal fall, I think. Yeah, and that's something we'll definitely talk about in the, uh, in a little bit, just because I think it was also like one of our bigger trips that we had to kind of you know navigate what that looks like in terms of spending and uh, you know, flights and hotels and eating out, especially in place like New York where everything is just more expensive and, you know, you want to enjoy it when you're in a place like that. But then how does that, you know, when we both have slightly different, you know, goals as far as money and all of that, how does that play out in a way where we both enjoy ourselves and we both feel good about taking that trip and enjoying it and doing all those things together, which I think was good. And on my part, you know, the no spend challenge was also really um, helpful. It really helped me um, as I was like navigating how to smooth out my freelance income. So I didn't have a whole lot to spend in the first place. And so I had to buckle down. Um, and then, yeah, uh, same for me. I have to also, you know, keep watching it every month. I think just because we've inventoried our expenses once and looked at like what money is going to doesn't mean that you're done. You got to keep doing that over and over again. And I, I definitely need to do that again. Um, like see how and if my coffee habit has snuck up a little bit, it's definitely come back a little bit not to the same uh, amount that was in like episode four. Uh, it was so long ago now, but um, it's definitely more disciplined, but just figuring out like where is my money going? And I think doing more no spend challenges like that will be fun and uh, just a way to like stay on our toes a little bit. So um, we did do an interesting thing. We uh, took to Instagram to uh, for both of us and we asked our followers for any tips or questions or things that they have found that work well in their relationships. And the really interesting thing is that I think everyone who answered was married uh, and it was only women who answered. So we didn't get anything from any of you guys out there. uh, And you guys must have it all figured out or something. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I found that super interesting. Um, I actually had one or two who were uh, not married, but in long-term relationships. So, um, you know, basically married, I guess, in terms of how you talk about money. 
Um, but yeah, I just find that in my own personal life too, uh, a lot of my female friends are much more willing and open to talking about money. And um, it's just kind of an interesting phenomenon. I'm not really sure why it is, but I think women are sort of used to being in control of households and planning things. And so maybe they're just a little more um, open with talking about it. But um, either way, it was great to hear from lots of people on Instagram. Yeah. And so I'm going to share a few things here that uh, my friend Brittany shared. So the first thing she said was, uh, as a tip, was just to hold each other accountable, uh, that it takes two to tango. Uh, set goals weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly and make it fun to achieve together. So something like that would be like our no-spend challenge or we're, we're like actually trying to come with some rules for it. Or we've also done some like fitness challenges and things. It's like making it into a game makes it more fun uh, and you can actually track it that way. Uh, she also said that you need to have uh, similar ideals to your partner. Uh, and I think another way that I would phrase that too is just having similar expectations or like uh, being on the same page so that you may not have the same money personalities, but you know and expect like what is going to happen or like if you have a shared goal uh or like like a trip like the one that we just took like how are you guys going to do that um or if you have bigger money goals like uh moving in together or you know how are you going to split things even going out to on a date like where does that um fall in terms of you know who is expecting who to pay are you guys splitting everything and we'll we'll definitely get into that topic because that's a pretty charged question that seems to be in like every money book out there uh, which is like first dates which we'll talk about um but really it's just talking about it constantly um and her last thing that she left off with was just that happy spouse happy house so uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think my general advice is um talk about it early and often um i think that you and i colin are a little um maybe a little different from some listeners out there um you know you have this podcast so naturally your entire journey is an open book um not to everyone else but to me specifically too as a as a partner um and you know, for me, like I, I write about personal finance for a living. And so my head is just buried in this stuff all day. So I think it's just a little more natural for us to talk about this stuff. Um, but hopefully uh, we can inspire people to do the same because it's important. Yeah. And for me, I also have to balance that fear that I don't want to talk about money or make everything about money all the time um, because it shouldn't be at the end of the day is that, you know, money is a tool that we can use. And, you know, while I enjoy talking about this thing, it shouldn't be the only thing that we ever talk about. But uh, thankfully, we both have been able to handle, uh, you know, all these conversations pretty easily, which has been nice. So it's not always been the case. So that's (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, you had mentioned that um, one of your followers reached out and talked about comparing uh, food spending um, both separately and together and how that was insightful. Um, was there any more detail to that? Or? Yeah. Um, so this couple that I know, um, the the wife in the couple is one of my best friends. Um, she and her husband live and work in L.A. And so they um, have pretty long commutes. And I imagine that adds up to uh, restaurant spending that's maybe not always together. And um, then, you know, wanting to shop for the household, it's just, I think it's kind of easy to lose track of where food spending can um, can pop up and go. And, um, you know, food waste um, happens for, for most people. And I think, you know, when you have such a long commute or, you know, busy working hours, it's really easy to say, hey, I don't want to cook tonight. I want to go out. So anyways, um, she and her husband, they really focused on their their food spending. And it turned out to be a pretty high uh, high spend category for them. Um, and so by getting aligned with their budgets for that, it really helped them. 
Yeah, and that seems to be like a category that I think if most people just go look at it, they can save a lot. Um, and then you got to, you know, try to stay on the wagon with that. But um, it's it seems like the, the low-hanging fruit in terms of saving money for sure. Uh, the other one was long-distance relationships. How about that one? Yeah. Um, well, you and I have the, the shared experiences of um, having long-distance relationships in the past, um, although we do live in the same place now. And um, I know, like, for me in my last relationship, um, most, like, about half of the relationship was long distance. And so it came down to a lot of compromise and being willing to trade off who travels. And, you know, if um, if your partner's traveling to you, maybe you pay for all their food when they're visiting you or vice versa. And just making sure that you keep it um, sustainable. Otherwise, I think it's really easy for resentment to creep in, um, you know, because it's not just the money of travel. It's also the time. It's, you know, the uprooting your day-to-day routine to go see the other person. So um, it's important to not take that for granted and to make sure that you're checking in with your partner, making sure they can afford it still, and um, ideally creating an end date for it because I think that really helps, um, you know, thinking financially as well as romantically. Yeah, having a plan for when this is getting, when there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, but yeah, I think long distance can be expensive just because you have to think about traveling, you know, both of you into to one place or uh, one person to, to, you know, wherever the other person lives uh, and just planning around all of that. Um, and like you said, kind of making sure that you're not taking it for granted. And I think, you know, in my past, it was also that you know that effort of going out there it may not be received as necessarily like uh if you think about like the love languages it's like some people traveling to someone is them expressing you know their intent and their interest it's an act of service and kind of a gift too yeah Yeah. because you're spending on it Uh, but some people may not have those as their receiving languages and they're like okay cool you came out here so now what right and so it's like you need to think about like what this person's doing to come out and visit you and vice versa and make that equitable and you know that might also mean like if you have to work like, how are you going to make sure you spend the time when they are there so that you're not like, oh, hey, I'm here to see you. And then you're like, well, I'm going to go to work. And then, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> it can backfire if it's a surprise. Uh, right. I don't have personal experience with that specifically, but I could see that happening. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did our no spend challenge. We've um, done a few other little things there. But I think what would be interesting is um, to go through some questions. Some of these uh, I actually pulled from um, a book called Money Diaries. Uh, by uh, Lindsay Stanberry. She actually has a whole section on um, relationships and money, uh, and it's a pretty cool way of looking at like how a couple spends money in a week. Um, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and uh, hopefully one day try to get Lindsay on the podcast. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, if you're listening, uh, you're invited. So if you know Lindsay, <laughs> uh, give her a shout um, or if you don't know Lindsay and you want to tweet at her and let her know that she should come <laughs> on the show, uh, that would be awesome too. Yeah. It's a great book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first one I would say that it's a good question to start with is that, uh, one that I again said is almost in every book, which is, uh, how do you split things on a first date and who pays the bill? I think this one's interesting because even in our discussion of it before the show, there's like so many different ways you can look at it. There's some people who believe that if you split the check, uh, that it's not a romantic thing um, and that it wasn't a date. Um, and some people believe that like the man should always pay or uh, and then some people believe 
you know, the opposite, which is that, you know, having the man pay puts the other person uh, in a position of owing that person something. And so, and that can go for any couple. It doesn't have to be a, you know, traditional heterosexual couple, but that could be in any dynamic is that money and power are often, you know, kind of conflated together and, and used uh, in relationships. And so how do you avoid that, like, in your very first encounter with another human being? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that for me, uh, you know, in the past when I've gone on first dates, um, you know, I, like, I always offer to pay because I think I do kind of feel that pressure of, oh, I don't want to owe anyone anything. Um, and I'd rather just, you know, have a pleasant time. But of course, I am always like pleasantly surprised when someone's like, no, no, like, don't don't take your wallet out. I'm, I've got this. You know, who who doesn't like free dinners? <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and it's um, <laughs> nice to treat somebody too. And yeah. I mean, I think if you think about act like traditional, like chivalry type things like that, it is an expectation in society, right? It's a cultural norm, at least in the United States. Um, right. But there are a lot of norms that I've been breaking down and that we don't do anymore. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, I know something we talked about before we started here was uh, the idea of you know, men and women and the the pay gap. And, you know, traditionally, men tend to earn more um, or have earned more in the past. And so it's kind of more equitable for the men to pay um, because oftentimes a woman just didn't quite, you know, make the same salary he did. Um, or, you know, to be fair, like women buy a lot of things to look good for dates. And I don't know <laughs> if guys uh, spend quite as much. So maybe it's equitable in a different way. But um but anyways, I think that, uh, you know, that barrier, like you said, is kind of breaking down and uh, women are earning more and it's a little more uh, a little more fluid. Yeah, a little more fluid, um, a little more common to split or for, you know, the, the woman to pay um, from time to time. Um, I think there's still a ways to go and it really just kind of depends on the dynamic and the situation. But really, I think it comes down to um, equity and then what people are comfortable with. Yeah. And I think like for us, I mean, even if we ignore first dates, like. I think we have a pretty good balance of, you know, there's times where I want to treat you and you want to treat me. And then there's, you know, more expensive dinners that we'll do where we're both like, yeah, we're going to split this. And, right. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it can go back and forth. And that's never for me to like, I'm never keeping a tally of like what you, what I paid for versus what you right. paid for. Right. Yeah. Some th- people do that though. Yeah. Um, For me, I think it's kind of a, a gut feeling. Like if things felt imbalanced, I would eventually sense it but so far it's just been really smooth sailing in that regard and i would hope that like if that's how you feel you would just say something i think that's (laughs) i mean i think that's where some people are afraid to do that in a first date especially because you're you know sometimes you're just this is the first time you're meeting them maybe it might be someone you already know and we're friends with and so you maybe have the ability to have that conversation but a lot of times people are just like guessing it's like playing poker it's like i'm not going to show you my cards i'm going to wait and see what you do and and the other issue with that is like creating these little uh, hurdles that the other person has to jump through or hoops that right. it's like mind now, games. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. silly. <laughs> so hopefully, I'm, I mean, I would like to see those mind games go away, but some of them are going to be out there. But if, you know, if you're creating all these little obstacles for the other person to, uh, to, jump over it's like they should probably know that they're there uh, right <laughs> so that they know what game they're playing <laughs> right well and it's tough too because um you know i know in some major cities um the whole tinder date is you know it's, it's such a game and it's such a, a performance and oh, yeah. you know there there are women and i assume men as well but i've only read articles about women who go on these dates just to get free food from guys and it's horrible and i 
don't advocate anybody doing that to another person. Um, yeah. That's actually, that's in Aziz Ansari's uh, Master of None, too. Yeah. There's a whole episode where he's like going on these dates and they're like, I'm going to take this to go. And uh, yeah, uh, this date was nice, but uh, thanks for the food. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do sushi <laughs> next, next week. You're paying, right? So I think if you're going on a date, you should be um, able to pay your way. Um, but of course, it's always nice if your partner or your, you know, your date um, covers for you. Um, but I don't think you should ever consume more than you can actually pay for. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good place to end that question for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We solved the problem right there. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll publish a whole book on this. It's going to be, it's going to be big. Um, <laughs> so the next question is actually a funny one. Uh, so when was the first time that we talked about salaries? Um, about, uh, 18 hours ago, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's funny because, uh, you know, you and I have been open books, but I think we have just sort of had a general idea about how much each other makes. But then in planning this episode, we're like, so what's your actual number? Right. It's like, oh, yeah, it's actually like pretty close. So, And for me, that number, I mean, in a sad and good way, it depends, right? It's like right. <laughs> on days where I'm billing a lot, I'm like, cool, I'm on track to do really well this year. And then days where projects drive, I'm like, yeah, I mean, my number is pretty fluid. And ideally, like I could say what my minimum that I hope for is in any given time. But uh, but yeah, we hadn't actually talked about specific numbers. So, right. um, you know, if you haven't had this conversation, uh, if you're dating and haven't had this conversation, I would encourage it. I think it's good to just know what that is um, and not in a non-judgmental way and just to know like where each person stands, because uh, I think that concept of equity comes comes into mind a lot there. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah. Even just with you and me, like you make more dollar wise. I mean, you're a programmer and I'm a writer, so that's kind of a natural, natural ending. But, um, you know, I, but I, on the other hand, have the consistency of a, of a, of a regular salary and benefits, whereas you have to, um, have some lean months or you have to, you know, pay for your health insurance out of pocket and things like that. So, um, yeah. So, you know, not every month is going to have the same amount of, you know, dispensable or disposable income. Right. Um, so we have to have those conversations like, hey, it's a little bit of a tough month. Um, I kind of want to, you know, stay at home a little bit more, or like, you know, find cheaper dates and things right. like that. And like you and I both asked for that. It's not just yeah. one. And I think, I mean, that was, uh, I don't know if I've told the story on this podcast, but uh, that idea of, you know, literally saying it's not in the cash flow or it's not in the budget right now to do that thing. <laughs> and uh, the story was I was at this supermarket. And it was just funny to me because the, it was like this dichotomy of things where she was buying somebody a bottle of water and then he like wanted to buy it was like Bronner's soap or something it was really <laughs> and she's like yeah she's not in the cash flow like i'll buy your water but no soap <laughs> and and um you know that that just appealed to me because a lot of people are afraid to say like you know friends will invite them out or whatever and they feel the pressure to go out and spend that money and then they like well i'll chalk that up to like loss of willpower and you know when you have a goal you have a thing to like enforce that and be like, oh, you know, I, you know, I'd like to go out, but I'd really like to go to New York more or, right, you know, yeah, like to get those credit cards gone. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great facet of love and money, you know, like friends that you're close with. Um, you should be able to talk to them about your, your financial limitations or needs. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's good to tell your friends like, hey, like that's just not affordable for me this week. Um, you know, instead of happy hour, how about we do mimosas at my house yeah. Saturday morning, you know, something less expensive, but like kind of a replacement. Um, and, you know, if you have good friends, then they'll totally understand. And I don't think it's good to have people in your life who are trying to go against your goals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, they can do their own thing. But, yeah, it's good to have understanding people. So that'll roll into how do we split everyday expenses? 
Um, we don't have any shared expenses right now. So that's like, I guess this would be more under um, as like going out to eat. If we want to go on a trip, how do we do that currently? I think we kind of covered this already, but we can hit it one more time. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I don't have bills or utilities or live together, but, um, you know, for, for friends who do, um, it's interesting how people split things like equity, equity seems to be the way to go. Um, you know, if one person makes a staggering amount more than the other, it might be a good idea to kind of split things by rent versus just bills or maybe a percentage of your income. Um, you know, one person has is, is naturally going to have more because they have a bigger salary. So it all depends on what you're comfortable with, I think. Yeah, I think having that discussion. I think that's what I've seen is like you either go equitable and just do half of everything or you do it based on percentage of income, which seems very exacting and making everything very transactional. But, you know, if you don't want the other person to feel like, you know, they have a lot less discretionary spending at, at the end of the day, I think that might be a way to look at that. So Right. And if money is kind of a translation of power, you know, it's kind of natural that if you're feeling resentful about money with your partner, that mm-hmm. it'll seep into other things in your relationship, Right. Um, which is why it's important to talk about it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think that talking about money is weird or taboo. And I think the only way that we can break that down is if like, you know, if we talk about it, but also if you're talking about money with your friends and me with my friends and things like that, it starts to make it less weird. And when other people see that that's happening, you know, maybe this isn't happening like publicly at a bar or something like that, but, you know, in a safe space where people feel comfortable sharing things and it's not the first thing that we talk about. It's like, how much money do you make? Which right. is <laughs> usually seen as pretty rude. Um, but I guess that also goes into then, uh, do we ever fight about money? Uh, so far, no. <laughs> so yeah. that's been good. Um, Check mark. For yeah, both of us. but I think we're pretty rare for that. I think most people have situations that come, that arise. Um, and you know, they say that uh, money fights are one of the top reasons for divorce. Um, so it's you know worth talking about. <laughs> it's just a, yeah. Uh, are you planning any major career changes in the foreseeable future? Um, as I see it, no. Um, but I am at a point where I think I'm earning like a pretty good salary for a writer. Um, so I think I'm feeling very comfortable where I am right now. Um, but if I did want to earn more, I probably would have to make a jump into something technical or, you know, just kind of a classically high earning uh, field of work. Um, I don't see myself doing that, but, you know, never say never. Might have a midlife crisis at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and for me, uh, I am focused on freelancing. I actually just signed up for a class that's supposed to make me a better freelancer, so we'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that in another episode. But uh, I did it for a few reasons, like to hold myself accountable um, and kind of make that decision, which is one that I keep asking on the show, which is do I stick it out with freelancing and you know the variable income and all this? Or as it's looking right now, there's just such a bubble in the tech world where there are a lot of jobs right now. And so, you know, that is an option. It's not something I'm looking at doing, but it it's always there. And uh, so it's not something I'm planning on, but um, that obviously would change a lot of things for me. Um, and for me in general, like the more bigger change would be like once I'm out of debt, like that allows me to start to do things a little bit differently with my money than what I'm doing currently. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you were suddenly to start making some big bucks um, and and be debt free, I think that would probably change the dynamic a little bit. You know, sort of 
we'd have to have discussions about what we can and can't do. Yeah, I don't think much would change, I think. Um, right, because we have this foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot would change lifestyle-wise. I think um, for me, it'd be more that I get to catch up on things like saving and retirement and stuff like that that I've been not neglecting but been unable to put money into. Um, but, yeah, I think that would also be – that would be like a whole other episode for us yeah. uh, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's do, I'm going to reverse the questions that I have written here, which is, um, the first one would be, how did your family approach money uh, when you were growing up and uh, how has that kind of shaped your behaviors today? Yeah, um, I was pretty lucky as a kid. I had a very financially stable upbringing. Um, so grateful to my parents for kind of uh, getting their act together because they both had kind of, um, uh uh, they were they were finding themselves in their 20s, let's say. So they didn't really end up going to college until um, late 20s, early 30s. And then it was after that that they were, you know, really focusing on saving for retirement and buying a house and, and all that stuff. So I think that they were able to uh, put a lot of good habits on me and my brother growing up um, because of that. And, you know, they did a lot of kind of cute, slightly gimmicky things like they'd give us actual envelopes. And whenever we got an allowance, we had to, you know put a certain portion into giving, saving, spending. Um, my brother was the great saver um, and I was a little more into spending. So I, uh, but I did learn how to um, budget for different categories of my life. And, you know, my parents were always really good about making sure they didn't ever just hand things over to us. They, um, you know, made us work for it. Like there was a, a trip I wanted to take with a couple of teachers in high school um, and it was uh, to Europe. And my parents were like, okay, you know, if you earn half of it, then we'll match and you can go. Um, so that's how I got my first job at an IHOP. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So I think that uh, those were some very healthy habits. And I think that that has translated pretty well into how I'm doing now. Um, but, you know, I not everyone gets that. And I try to be aware of that, you know, that privilege. And um, that's part of why I do what I do now. I really like helping people figure out their finances. And that's what I get to do for a living. So I love it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I think my upbringing was very similar. Um, I have three brothers, so there's there were a lot of us in the house, uh, which, you know, we always had what we needed. Uh, and if there's things that we wanted, I definitely think that, you know, uh, we all started like learning to wash cars on the weekends for the neighbors and do pet sitting and things like that to make money, which kind of, I don't know if that's where my entrepreneurial streak came from, but uh, you know, always coming up with these schemes to to make money and, and do that, uh, which is translated to some of the things that I do now uh, and maybe my unwillingness to have a regular job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, as far as things that like, you know, video games and things that we wanted, like we uh, we would always like go to garage sales and like Goodwill and things. And, you know, we, we would have a lot of video games. It didn't necessarily need to be the latest and greatest, but it would be things that other people had had and uh, and that we were able to take advantage of, you know, uh, getting them, you know, as as secondhand and things, which was always good too, because then that meant you could have more, right? A video game cost sixty dollars, but you know, on this other system, you can get four of them for that price or whatever that was. So, you know, and with all four of us, it's like all we every system that you know we had is growing up. It's like, does it have four controllers? Does it have four <laughs> players? And you know, so there's there's that element to it. 
Um, but yeah, again, we were very privileged to have that upbringing. And so, uh, you know, definitely thanks to both my parents for that. Uh, and, you know, me getting into the debt that I'm in, that was not a learned behavior. That was, you know, again, back in the old episodes were mistakes that I made uh, that I'm paying for and taking accountability for. Um, but we were always kind of, you know, raised to be frugal and not wasteful. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. th- if there's something that you really want, then, yeah, you're going to be saving for it and you're going to figure out how to get that. Um, and I was, you know, very privileged that my mom was, you know, on me to get scholarships. So I applied for so many scholarships uh, and was able to uh, not have to graduate with student debt, which was also a big win, too. So that was good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, it was a little tough because I uh, graduated high school in 2009, like right after the recession was really, uh, you know, taking its grip on society. And um, my parents had had a college fund set up for me, but it was, you know, basically cut in half by the the market crashing. So mm-hmm. um, so I didn't have that money that I thought I could rely on um, the way I did initially. So, um, so I did end up taking on some loans, but um, I ended up paying them off in three and a half years after graduating. So I think that my parents really taught me how to um, focus on priorities for finances and to, um, you know, tighten your belt where you where you can in order to meet those goals. Right. So you had a sense of financial literacy from home, I guess. Yeah. Although I would say that I did a lot of internet research when I realized I was graduating with yeah. <laughs> with all my debt. Um, so I I use that to fill in the gaps because my parents did give me the fundamentals. Nice. Um, so the next question is, how do you manage your money today? Are there like apps or systems or things that you like to use to manage your money? Are there, you know, uh, do you use the envelope system? Do you, what do you do day to day? Um, I obsessively check my mint app <laughs> just to make sure I know where everything stands. Um, that really helps me too, because I have a deathly fear of, um, identity theft happening to me. <laughs> and I just, um, don't want to ever have an unexpected expense pop up that I know I didn't make. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, just make sure that I'm covered. Um, but besides that, I would say I, um, make payments on my credit cards every payment cycle, every two weeks, as opposed to waiting for a month. Um, so that way I'm always, um, meeting the minimums at least. Nice. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I try and keep my debt as low as possible, like most people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think my current system is a little more complicated than it will be when I get out of debt. Um, I have a few bank accounts, a few credit cards. Uh, thankfully, nothing ever going on those credit cards. Um, and then I have my system that I'm using to pay that down. Um, but yeah, right now I'm using Mint and Personal Capital and my spreadsheet. Um, I mostly use those two things together just to like see, um, they show me different things, I guess. Um, and then I do use credit karma, um, to look and see cause they report credit scores and stuff a little bit differently. And they also are very good about telling you if you, your data is like in a data breach, which is interesting. Um, so like credit card numbers or logins and stuff like that. So those are kind of all my things, but for the most part, I don't really, I don't use envelope system for budgeting. Yeah. I tried using you need a budget, failed epically at that. Yeah, me too. It's just, it was a little too manual for me. I kind of need to set it and forget it for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, let's go into spending. So we've talked about how we manage our money. We've talked about kind of some where, where our behaviors come from. Um, but today are there, I guess, what kinds of things 
trigger spending for you if those are emotional things or just you know just general triggers that uh that trigger spending oof yeah this is something i've been grappling with um in the last few months because um even though i think i've gotten my um going out spending under control pretty well as far as um bars and restaurants which was my goal of the february challenge um i've somehow shifted into online shopping and that's not something i ever expected myself to do because i was always pretty good about not doing it um but I don't know. I've just started getting kind of that little dopamine hit every time I, you know, hit purchase in, in an online store. Um, so that's something I'm aware of and working on. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of stuff that I aspirationally think my life will be better if I buy it, like things in my kitchen. So I rationalize it like, oh, since I'm not going to restaurants as much, um, how about I buy these fancy knives so that I can meal prep <laughs> the best way? Or, uh, oh, you know, it's almost fall. I need to buy some sweaters or, you know, some some cute going out clothes. So I... I don't know. It's something that I really need to kind of meditate on and be more mindful about. Maybe delete some apps off my phone or, you know, change my Amazon password and have you hide it for me. <laughs> Make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> is there a trigger, though, that, that causes you or want that makes you want to do that? Or is it just... Mm, I'd say boredom sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm just sort of feeling like I'm having a blue day, it just sort of perks me up um, to look forward to something. So I... Yeah, that's definitely something I need to to think about gotcha. <laughs> because it's not been not been a great system that I'm setting up for myself. Uh, for me, I definitely notice like a feast and famine cycle that is congruent with my income, right? So I'll be super good because I literally can't buy things, um, or I won't be able to make my bills, and so I'll make sure all my bills are paid, and then I just am pretty good about things. And then I get paid like, you know, an upfront payment from a client. And then I definitely notice that I go into, you know, I'll go out to eat more frequently. Uh, I guess the answer becomes yes a lot more frequently when that happens. Um, so what I need, I think I need to get better about hiding that money, especially if it's like an upfront amount that's supposed to last like a certain amount of time. Uh, because that doesn't mean that it's it's spending spree time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I do, like I definitely save things that I, I would like to buy. And then they get all stocked up. So I like go through this like time of not buying anything and then I get paid and then I go and de- deplete that. I'm like, okay, let's go check off those things that I wanted to buy. And then I like that feast cycle again. And then it goes back into, oh, I don't have any money anymore. So now I'm going to start saving up the things that I need to buy and then do it all over again. Right. Yeah. And I think you and I kind of joke about this, but um, it's a whole like treat yourself idea. Yeah. Like, like you know, it, it's kind of a way to rationalize like, oh, I shouldn't make this purchase. But you know what? Treat yourself. Like, it just feels so good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it. you shouldn't have to be like a monk and yeah. live in like poverty forever um, and like deny yourself everything. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's nice to have a little treat, but don't make every day a treat yourself day. Yeah. And I think there's some things like I think buying those knives they're tools they're things you're going to use uh if it makes staying at home and cooking more enjoyable then like that's it's double duty it's treat yourself and you know how many meals out does it take to actually pay for those it was probably not very many yeah uh, that's true. and uh i think what uh, ramit sati always says like he never compromises on books if there's a book he wants he just buys it because you know, unless it's a really bad book, what you're going to learn from it, if it's a you know nonfiction book or the enjoyment you're going to get, if it's a fiction book is going to be worth, you know, that it's like books are not expensive and they help you grow. And so he has a few categories like that where it's like, no question, he's going to spend the money. Um, and those are almost like premeditated triggers, I guess, for him. Like he knows it's like, I'm not going to 
go back and forth and be like, should I buy the book? Should I not buy the book? Just like buy the stupid book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that's a lot of these things. Like for me, it's like, I think Instagram is a little bit to blame there. Like I'll actually favorite and save ads, like extremely scarily targeted ads. Yeah, they know you where so I'm like, well. Oh, I do need that thing. Or it's scary. <laughs> or the other one is like, yeah, I was literally just talking about that thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there it is. And hey, it's on sale. Uh, I'm not going to buy it now, but I'm going to put it in my favorites and uh, then I'll buy it later. And so. Right. Well, I will say um, those kinds of ads are pretty great because it lets you know something that you want to buy. And then when you see a sale for that thing later, you can pull the trigger knowing that you saved money on it. Yeah. As long as it's something that, you know, you will find value in and that is worth your your life, you know, yeah. right, your money or your life. Um, so, I mean, that's something that I've worked on. Um, maybe maybe that's probably what's fueling my uh, online shopping, though, because I have that app Honey on my Google Chrome and then Can't it shows... the deals, huh? Yeah, I guess it's the deals. <laughs> um, but it's like stuff that I already wanted to buy, but then yeah. I... The reason I pulled the trigger is because I suddenly found out, like, oh, I can get 20% off with this coupon that I found. Yeah, I think we just found a whole other episode topic. But, like, <laughs> technically, I know how they're doing this. Like, I, I'm i being retargeted. Like, I know it. And whether or not our phones and our computers are listening to us is a whole other story. But the retargeting works. Like, you showed intent because you spent five minutes waffling back and forth on whether or not you wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, hey, let's just give them like a little deal on this thing. And- yeah. Well, you know, sometimes if you just put stuff in a shopping cart and then leave it alone, you'll get an email all of a sudden. Yep. Like, Abandoned oh, cart hey, email. hey, if we give you 15% off, will you come get it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man, this is like a therapy session right now. I'm definitely it's, unloading. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the things that I, I'm going to be working on for one of the clients that I work on. So it's like I'm part of the problem. <laughs> Uh, but yeah so I think as far as spending goes I think that we're I think that's something that all of us have to deal with is that we're always being marketed to and there's always things that you know everyone's promising that this is gonna make your life better and so it's like you know the podcast it's like we have to think about our money as life energy and how do you want to spend that time do you want to think about like oh those things cost me a full day's worth of work is that worth it or you know, maybe a trip might be and the total is worth it because it recharges you so that you can get back to work when you get back. But some of the things that we spend money on don't make sense, too. And some of them, you know, are essential to our, you know, mental well-being as well. And so we have to think about that. Um, and I think this is a great question to kind of end things with, which is um, so today we feel pretty equitable in terms of like how things are going but does for you will an equal relationship mean the same thing now as it does in five years from now or 10 years from now Mm. and how might that be different yeah um yeah it's a big question um yeah because you know what people change over time and careers change and um you know we're not at the point of this discussion, but, um, you know, when people decide to, you know, get married or have kids, you know, there are often times where maybe one partner loses their job. And so the other person has to step up and, and pay for things. Or, you know, one partner decides to be the the caregiver of, you know, a new child or maybe an aging parent. And, um, you know, so it's really a give and take. And sort of like what we talked about earlier, this like sense of balance and the sense of, you know, not resenting your partner um, for the things they need to do. You know, it's one thing if your partner is um, unemployed but then actively looking for work versus um, them kind of, you know, not holding up their end of the bargain um, as a partner. And I think that those kinds of questions um, really disrupt, um, you know, the the equity and the equality in a, in a relationship. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's all 
takes place over a period of time and like, you know, helping out one partner helps out the other and then vice versa, depending on the situation. Yeah. I think we both love James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And to even simplify one of his things that time amplifies everything, like those bad things get amplified over time. The good things can get amplified over time as well. But, uh, you know, my answer to that is like, you know, I think it would definitely be different if I didn't tackle my debt now, right? Because in the future, there's going to be more things stacked on top of it. And then more things on top of that. And, you know, emergencies will happen. And it's when those things all just stack on top of each other that it gets worse and worse. And it seems like the big fights, the big blowouts are that last, you know, the the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like just too much for, you know, both people or one person. Um, but you're totally right. Like if someone, you know, what happens if there's a recession and one of us loses our jobs or, you know, how does that look? Thankfully, you know, I became a freelancer because of the recession. So I feel pretty good about, you know, weathering that. But, you know, uh, yeah, if one of us decided to be, you know, a stay at home person, right? It's like, mm-hmm. how does that work? Because some in some people's eyes like that isn't work, which, you know, is a whole nother story. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but someone has to do it, right? It's like, you know, are you going to make more money and pay for child ser- like child care and have both of you work? Is that the expectation? Or is it going to be, you know, uh, that someone is planning on staying at home and, and taking care of that? Uh, and, and in some ways being compensated for that, right? It's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely uh, like a, there's a dollar amount that you can put on that, you know, like, like you said, the trade off of like paying for someone else to take care of your kid mm-hmm. versus you, um, you know, th- is that the same amount as you would make if you were working or like, does working create enough money to pay for childcare and everything else? You know, it all just, it really comes down to the couple and, and what they, what they think is okay. Um, I think for, for me, like my own feelings on the matter, um, as long as my partner is, um, trying their best to uphold the things that I expect from from a partner, um, you know, just taking care of themselves, taking care of um, a home we may share together, um, you know, even if they don't have money, like if they make my life easier in other ways, that's, you know, I think that's all you can really ask for. And, you know, it also comes down to being understanding if your partner is going through a hard time and sometimes, sometimes we need support from each other, you know. Yeah. Which means you have to tell the other person. I think that that's the habit that I got into is that I always just I'll just hunker down and, and get it done and like be good on the other side. And the problem is that I would like not disclose that like things are hard right now. And then, you know, then I lose a client and it just gets like incrementally harder. And I'm not telling the other person like what's going on. So I've definitely learned from that. And that's something I don't do anymore. But I do think that that's like a big issue is that you have to make sure that you unbottle these things like when they are no big deal. Um, And that it can be like, you know, if you aren't feeling great because of that feeling, then you're not going to be working out and then you feel worse. Then you're not sleeping well, then you feel worse. So it's just like, it's all going to compound and and that's not fun for anybody. So take care of yourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And, um, you know, then there's like the mental health question of it too like losing your job is pretty devastating or you know losing family and i think in past relationships i was kind of hard on a particular partner for not working when i looking back i realized like i could have been more supportive in other ways because he was going through a tough time but for me at the time like i had debt and so i was very tunnel visioned about that and i felt like i wasn't getting the support i needed to get my burdens lifted and Mm -hmm. um you know kind of the immaturity of youth i wasn't 
thinking about all those things as well. But yeah, this um, is what happens. So it's yeah. especially if two people are taking, you know, two people have debt and now you just like add that debt together, you know, even if it's separate and mm-hmm. maintained separately or you decide to put everything together and tackle it together, like it's it still makes it bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a bigger mountain to climb. And so um, I think the big thing here is that like even with this episode ending, that doesn't mean the conversation ends for us and doesn't end for you guys. Uh, if you haven't had this conversation, you should have it. Uh, do you have any tips for bringing it up or, you know, how to kind of crack, you know, break the ice there? Um, yeah, well, I would say, I mean, this is kind of a common tip, but just the idea of a money date where, um, you know, whatever that looks like for you and your partner, just kind of clearing the air. Um, if, you know, you're kind of wondering how their work is going and like, they have any promotions on the horizon or if they're like feeling happy at at their place of work or you know if it's if you're feeling anxious like oh maybe we're going out to restaurants a little too much and i feel like i can't really afford it like i need to talk to my partner like you know just kind of create a safe space to have those discussions and to um not judgmentally kind of talk about where you are and like ask questions of your partner just so that you can set expectations for each other yeah definitely yeah awesome (laughs) Uh, well, I think, I mean, if you're listening to this show and you didn't get to send in a tip or a question, I would still love to see them. So you can follow uh, How You Spend Your Days on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter uh, at How You Spend. You can also email me at HowYouSpend at gmail.com and we'll catch you next week for episode 38. So yeah. Yeah. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.